I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. And we are Team Binge. And we are currently in stoppage time. Which is what we're calling the distance between season two of Ted Lasso and season three of Ted Lasso. Mm -hmm. Because nothing else is going on until those things meet. Nothing else in media and anything. So we have to go back to do old media. Very true. And the old media we're doing today came out in 2016, and it's a movie called... Colossal. Colossal, starring Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis. The reason we picked this movie, Tom, is... <laughs> Jason Sudeikis Jason is Ted Lasso. Is Ted Lasso, that's correct. <laughs> that's the Lasso connection. We might, again, we might find some more as we, as we discuss. There's no other connections. <laughs> we chose this one. I'm going to say at the top that the thing to do is to really dog on this movie. But I'm going to lead with this. Okay. I'm glad I watched this movie. Okay. Interesting. It was not my idea to watch this movie. (laughs) It was mine. I'm not casting blame on anyone. (laughs) But I will say from the top, I'm glad I watched it. Okay. And as we talk about it, I think you'll see why. So really fast, for those of you that have not seen this movie... If you've seen Godzilla or a Godzilla-adjacent movie, you probably saw this movie. You may not remember the name, but the woman from Devil Wears Prada's in it. If you're like, hey, I might have seen that or a preview, it was this movie. I'm going to give you a quick summary, a true summary Mm. of this movie, so that if you haven't seen it, you can still hang out with us. I love a Julian summaries. It'll be a good time. Let's hear it. Well, this one's pretty straightforward. (laughs) (laughs) This movie's about Gloria, Gloria played by Anne Hathaway, Mm -hmm. who is an alcoholic (laughs) ex-blogger who has a falling out with her boyfriend, who happens to be British. They live in New York City together. They move back to her hometown. I took her hometown to be kind of like a strange Pennsylvania type. I think it's a Vania. Yeah, maybe Ohio. Not far from New York City, but enough that like New York City's the big city. Mm -hmm. Anyways, or the Big Apple, as they say in New York. (laughs) She reunites with an elementary school friend named Oscar. Oscar is played by one very charming Jason Sudeikis. Whole way through. And Oscar never left their hometown. He now owns and runs a family bar. Oscar offers Gloria a job at the bar And seems to be very sweet on her, offering her kind gestures of help (laughs) to get her back on her feet. Because he can clearly see she's struggling. After a night of drinking, Gloria wakes to find out a large Godzilla, I believe, Kaiju is the name? Very good. Kaiju. If you look in the outline, I've spelled it 12 different ways. (laughs) This Kaiju appears in Seoul. She discovers slowly that this is a manifestation of her... And it occurs whenever she is at the elementary school playground that she used to visit when she was a kid mm-hmm. at a specific time. Yep, that old tale. That a tale <laughs> as old as time, as the song says. She then shows Oscar and his kind of gang of misfits. And we discover that Oscar can manifest a robot kaiju if he's there with her. Mm-hmm. If you're not following this story at this point... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you because this is the best explanation anyone has ever made of this movie. Gloria has a thing not for Oscar but his friend Joel. When Oscar finds out he gets jealous and in retaliation he uses his robot kaiju to threaten the city of Seoul. 
we see Oscar become more and more manipulative and controlling towards Gloria. Gloria's ex shows up, and Oscar sets off fireworks in his own <laughs> bar to like keep Gloria from leaving and to show he's out of control. They then have a fight on a playground where Oscar wins. Yes. Letting Gloria know, he lets her know that if she leaves, he's going to come to the playground every morning and destroy soul <laughs> through his robot, which is a manifestation of his soul. <laughs> You're welcome. And just to be clear, soul is South Korea. South Korea, yes. the good Korea. <laughs> Gloria, in a surprising move, flies to Seoul and in some weird opposite polarity thing (laughs) makes her kaiju appear at the playground of her hometown. She then kills Oscar after he yells at her. We assume he's dead. I don't Mm. think he's gonna... We'll we'll dissect that a little bit later. wonderful. (laughs) Gloria then goes to a bar in Seoul and is annoyed when offered a drink. Because when you go to a bar, being offered a drink is a real annoyance. Hmm. That is quite a summary. Cut to black. Okay. And star, that's it. Star swipe to black. <laughs> that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. Oh, and <laughs> somewhere in there we discover the whole thing stems from Oscar and Gloria being kids on the playground and Oscar destroying her diorama. Mm-hmm. Tom? Yeah. You have the floor. Explain <laughs> all of it. Okay. There's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. A lo- because you so much unpacking. Because you did the entire movie. I think before we start unpacking, let's go ahead and unpack the cast. Let's let's meet the uh, the sure the, who who played the kaiju that was vaguely <laughs> uh, gorilla shaped. Tom, uh, that was played by Anne Hathaway. Brilliant uh, makeup work, <laughs> by the way. Uh, so the movie she was doing before this was Intern. You ever see that movie with uh, Robert De Niro? No. It's a good movie. We should watch that. I haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, Alice Through the Looking Glass. It was like a Alice in Wonderland kind of remake. Never heard of it. Uh, and then after, so she did this movie after this. Then she did Ocean's 8, the remake of the Ocean's 11 film with the uh, star-studded female cast. Okay, yeah. Okay. So that, that's Anna Hathaway. Then we got Jason Sudeikis, as you mentioned, who played Oscar. Uh, so before this movie, he did Book of Love, which I think is a British movie with Maisie Williams, who played Arya Stark. I feel like I saw, saw the poster and it was familiar familiar to you. No? No. Nothing. Okay. I'm sorry. Are they love interests? Maisie no. Maisie William and Jason Sudeikis? <laughs> because Maisie William's a child. She is younger. I don't know. I think she's like he's a father figure to her. I could be wrong. All I saw was the poster. Um, and then Jason Sudeikis was also doing Angry Birds. He was doing the voice work. Probably <laughs> I love some, Angry Birds. <laughs> probably some mocap work for Angry Birds. I've never seen um, it. And then after this film, he did Masterminds, which is kind of the heist movie with Gil Fanakis, uh, uh, Owen Wilson, and Kristen, Kristen Wiig. Wiig. Yeah. Do you remember I that never movie? I saw it. Again, another interesting movie. But that gives you a rough timeline of where kind of our, our two main stars were uh, in their careers. I think Sudeikis didn't really do as much film work as Anne Hathaway had done at this point. He was more SNL, I think-ish. Was this before or after Horrible Bosses? Do you know? I think this was after Horrible Bosses. After Horrible yes. Bosses? Yeah, because okay. I did two Horrible Bosses, so I'm pretty sure it was actually both of them might have been before this. Where do you fall on the Anne Hathaway side? Like, is Anne Hathaway someone where you find out she's in a movie and you're like, cool, I like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. 
Or is Anne Hathaway like the annoying drama, <laughs> annoying drama kid that you don't want to have to see in a film? No, I, I love Anne Hathaway. I think she did a movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. I think it's like Love and Drugs, something like that. I'm messing that up. Uh, but it was a really, really good movie. Uh, and then obviously I'm for half of that movie. For half of it. Um, and then Devil Wears Prada. She was fantastic in that. I think she's great in everything she's been in. Okay. I am also pro Hathaway. I liked her in Les Mis and... There is a very soft spot in my heart for her as Catwoman in the oh, that's um, right. Nolan Batman movies. The Nolan verse. I yes. thought she was a great Catwoman. Agreed. Uh, we also have. Do you like Jason Sudeikis? He's okay. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen him do anything recently that's been entertaining. Sure. I wish he would do some sort of weird British comedy that's both heartfelt and heartfelt. I just want more Angry Birds. Um, <laughs> then we've got uh, Tim Blake Nelson, who plays Garth, um, who's one of the kind of bar regulars uh, that frequents uh, sure, Sudeikis' bar. Jason Sudeikis and his two buddies <laughs> mm-hmm. that hang out and just drink beer all night, every night. Like, <laughs> I found this an incredible way to live life. Sponsored by Paps Blue Ribbon. That's all they were sure, drinking, which sure. which we are now sponsored by. Well, you know, if Paps. you can buy it for a dollar at a bar, <laughs> it's going to be someone's favorite. I, guess, I sure. guess, yeah, if you're Sudeikis and you're the bartender, like that's the beer you want to be giving to that's all your the friends markup, man. yeah um, so let's w- talk about commerce and bars and what <laughs> uh where you're gonna make money you know i say parking parking's where the money's at <laughs> oh god here we go all these spots are compact let's not talk about parking until we get into the <laughs> get into the stadium did you recognize garth i knew him from probably his most recent endeavors uh watchman the tv series he plays uh rorschach okay really good job of rorschach um and then he played the. He was the role in this movie uh, called Holes when I was a kid, which was like younger. It was like one of my first jobs I had. It was working at like a blockbuster kind of video store. Sure. And whoever worked the blockbuster side kept playing this movie over and over and over again. So like I know the movie by heart, but I've only seen it once. Um, and this was one of the guys who was in it, and he's had a very distinctive voice. It's a Shia LaBeouf movie. Yes, a right? young Shia LaBeouf. Do you know who the author of Holes is? Uh, Charles Dickinson, right? Nope, Lewis. I think it's Sanchar. He's the guy that wrote Sideways Stories from Wayside School. Look at this. Yeah. We're learning things. Anyways, it was a good book. What I never you, saw the movie. What do you know Tim Blake Nelson from? Uh, I think everyone would recognize him from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That ah, classic film that Soggy Bottom loves. Boys. Yeah. I'm a uh, Dapper Dan man. <laughs> and then everyone, I'm sure, recognized Joel, the generic, handsome uh, <laughs> Joel. Uh, played by Austin Stowell. Um I looked up his IMDb. He's from Bridge of Spies, Fantasy Island, as I, I feel like. Where I, I thought I he was seen. someone else. I was like, oh, I know this guy. And then I looked at his IMDb, and I was like, <laughs> I don't know this guy. <laughs> to me, he looked like a Manning brother, a very handsome Manning brother. Oh, wow. No? Anything? Uh, I did not see the connection with the Manning brothers, okay. <laughs> but um, I looked him up, and I was like, oh, he was in Dolphin Tale 2. Oh, the sequel. That's cool. That was much I better. I think it was in Dolphin Tale 1, too. That's, but... when, the, that's when the dolphin got the tail back. <laughs> terrible joke uh i don't actually even think that's a joke i think that's what happens in that movie no are you serious <laughs> i think they give that dolphin a tail did the dolphin not have a tail yeah and they like give him a tail like an not an animatronic but like a 3d printed tail and the dolphin's gonna learn to swim with it tom why are we not doing that movie <laughs> that's right up our alley All right well they spell it t-a-l-e anyways this is uh neither here nor there we digress tim the ex-boyfriend uh is dan stevens 
And did you recognize him? Ugh. Other than just being handsome and British, you actually kind of look like him now that I'm staring at you. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, Dan Stevens, I know as the Beast from Beauty and the Beast, the remake with uh, Harry Potter Girl. Okay. If you're expecting me to fill in the blank of Harry Potter Girl, I will not. Hermione Granger. Who Hermione you Granger. That? That's the actress. That's right. right. Good enough. Um, but apparently also in Downton Abbey because he's British. And if you're British, you're in Downton Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm sure he was in a per- PBS Miss Marple as well, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, that joke is for the people that grew <laughs> up on PBS. Uh, but a pretty small cast. Like, th- this is the core group. you got a, a few ancillary kind of side characters that help drive the plot, but this this is our crew. These are our, our main, main guys. And I gotta be honest, I thought it was, like, there was only one moment, and I'm sure we'll get to it, where I was like, oh, that's a weird, weird choice. Otherwise, I thought they all did great, like... This was a movie where, and you sat with me through movies, <laughs> I like to guess what's going on. Yes. Like, that's how my brain works. My brain is trying to solve, like, okay, where's the twist? Mm-hmm. What is happening? I will say at the very top, I did not know what was happening in this <laughs> film. Not from a, like, they didn't explain it, mm-hmm. but I was like, wait, that's where they went? That's where this is going? Mm-hmm. Like, I assumed from the meat cute that Jason Sudeikis <laughs> was going to be like, a nice, charming, friendly fella, mm-hmm. uh, maybe with a little bit of a, a booze problem, but we can forgive that. <laughs> uh, that's not where the movie went. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I appreciated this movie for its originality because yeah. I don't really know that I could relate it to anything else. It's a complete subversion of this genre. Like, you go in, and I think even the trailers for this movie pushed it as, like, a fun-loving comedy with kaiju and all that kind of stuff. Because it's it, not fun-loving, Tom. <laughs> no, it's very far from it. In fact, you had seen this movie, right? I had, like, you years saw this movie and years. in theater opening night. You were in line, <laughs> was dressed as a kaiju. <laughs> the midnight showing. You and all your kaiju heads. My brother was a robot. Your brother was a robot. <laughs> You went in and saw it. So you had seen this. You suggested this. I had not seen this. I've now seen this movie twice. <laughs> well, I'll say one and a half times because the second time was at like four times speed. But that's just how I watch things. <laughs> Do you remember liking it the first go round? No, I, I remember. So we were picking a movie and we were like, oh, let's let's pick a Sudeikis movie. Like the easy one is is Horrible Bosses. That's sure. a big comedy. But we're like, well, let's pick something kind of a little bit around the edges. So... I remember seeing this movie. I did not remember any of the beats. All I remember is that I left the movie thinking this was strange. This was not the movie I expected. Right. So then when I told you kind of the general plot, I'm like, oh, I think it's a comedy and it has some drama in it. I'm like, all right, right up the Ted Lasso alley. Sure. And yeah, didn't do any of the research outside of watching it. No, I don't think you remembered this movie very well because you sent me a message that was like, man, that's a lot darker than I remember it. <laughs> yes. And I would agree with that. It's and like to your point, like it's a movie that subverts the genre, and to me, there's not one character in this movie that is likable. Like every character is like a monster in their own way, like in their own right. All okay. these major characters. When you're saying subverting the genre, what genre are they subverting? Are you talking like romantic comedy, like the yes. like with the meat cute? Yes. And like she's the 
big city professional that can't get her stuff together. She moves back to sweet home Alabama and like discovers her true love. You're talking about that? Yes. Or are you talking about Godzilla movies? I think like the whole Godzilla thing is just a means to like bring in a certain audience and then it's kind of subverting it. But but this movie really You think there are a bunch of kids like holding their King Kong and Godzilla toys in the audience and they were like, "Oh, thank goodness these kids bought tickets." And those kids are like what am I watching? I don't know if I would have ever given this a chance if it didn't have like that weird, crazy fantasy kaiju element. Like if it was just kind of sold as her going back in like a romantic comedy and then they subvert that by just having, you know, Sudeikis be a jerk the whole time. Like that's interesting in and of itself, but that probably wouldn't have brought me to theater or again, I didn't see it in theater, but wouldn't have had me see it. Like I watched this movie initially based off of like the cover art of the poster okay like her scratching her head and the you know the kaiju behind her i thought like oh this is interesting i would like to go on record as saying if they are going to make a romantic comedy with (laughs) jason sudeikis and anne hathaway probably won't go to the theater because i only go to the theater for movies like the green knight um (laughs) which is a a different story in itself but i would 100 percent stream that movie for free i don't know on youtube or something it'll come out soon i'm sure yeah. Uh, so I do want to dissect this movie, but before we get too deep into it, I do want to go over some kind of general movie facts about about this film. Uh, so the tagline to this movie is, there's a monster in all of us, which I think is, is fair. It's a solid tagline. Whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is it fair that there is a monster in all of us, or is it fair that there's a monster in all the people in this movie? Uh, all the people in this movie, but I would imagine, like, everybody's got, they got their demons, right? Um, I only have a demon inside of me if it's like a gluttonous likes potato <laughs> chips demon. That's probably the only okay. demon I have inside of me. All right. Um, it was directed Put by... Put that on my tombstone. <laughs> like a t-shirt. Uh, it was di- <laughs> directed by Nacho Vigalondo. Uh, Vigalondo? I'm probably pronouncing that horribly. Uh, he's a Spanish director, apparently a very famous Spanish director. He was nominated for an Oscar in 2005 for a live-action short film called 7.35 in the Morning. Um, I did look up some of his other pedigree, and he does have some very interesting movies. And I, one thing about this film, whether you love it or hate it, and I, I'm sure there's people on both sides of the aisle here, it was shot really, really well. I thought there was a really cool cinematography. I think like, like the way they kind of framed some of the stuff, like especially when she kind of first showed that she was the kaiju and kind of having like the mocap back and forth. I thought it was was really cool. There is nothing about this movie that like. I was like, oh, that's dumb or shot poorly. Like, it's a really really well, Mm -hmm. as you said, shot film, looks great, everyone's acting well. It's just like, what is going on? (laughs) Like, that, and that's not even a complaint because, like, most of the time you go to a movie and you're just kind of watching the same thing over and over again. Uh This was, like, legitimately original but also, like, maybe you see why people don't swing by the, for the fence of originality because you walk out of the story and you're like, wait, what? Like, right, yeah. So, but, yeah. yeah, I had not heard of that guy. I'm familiar with nachos, but not him. <laughs> okay. um, you're welcome. Um, another movie fact, Anne Hathaway was pregnant while filming this movie. Uh, apparently in her second trimester, so relatively long on. But, I mean, I think, I don't know if it was cold weather, but I think she was in relatively big clothes throughout the whole movie. So it was pretty 
easy to kind of probably pass that. That yeah, makes sense. She was in the kaiju. <laughs> in the kaiju the outfit, uniform. yeah. It's a pretty skinny kaiju, though. That is fair. Um, she, Anne Hathaway, was the first to sign on to this. Uh, did a little bit of digging. Apparently, she was kind of like in a lull in her career. She didn't kind of know what she wanted to do next. And she found she wanted to do something a little bit more original and kind of off the wall. Oh, this is original and <laughs> off the wall, Anne. Good pick. Uh, <laughs> and she likened this script to something similar to like being John Malkovich. What I don't know if I really see that. But again, a little bit more unique of a film if you haven't seen being john malkovich i'd recommend that one uh or if you don't like john malkovich don't watch it there's a lot of him in that one um this was uh, like the movie pitch like i think from the director it was pitched as godzilla meets lost in translation uh the bill murray joint where he goes to somewhere in asia i don't know exactly where tokyo maybe Tom, i've got some things to um confess to you as you've been saying these things continue i've never seen being john malkovich huh I've never seen Lost in Translation, <laughs> but you can bet I've seen every Godzilla movie there is out there. <laughs> There's been a we, decent amount. We used to have the Godzilla movies that I we had on a VHS, like taped off of the television. Like the Oho Toho production? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are my jam. Wow. Like King Kong vs. Godzilla. <laughs> uh, I can remember scenes like vividly right now. The guy makes this like super tough string and then he like puts it around his body and he's off a balcony showing off and it's all dubbed and everything. So I've seen Godzilla, but none of these other uh, what I would see, what would seem really highbrow movies. (laughs) Super highbrow. Yeah, I'm not a highbrow guy. (laughs) Uh, This was primarily filmed in Vancouver. Ah, in Canada. Yeah, the Canadians. Nice um let's get to the numbers numbers budget this had a budget of 15 million smackers it seems small for a movie but as you mentioned the cast isn't very big not a whole lot of set pieces it's a bar it's the playground it's i mean probably the money went into the the kaijus i mean i would assume the money went into rebuilding soul (laughs) no probably more expensive no is this mic on (laughs) um worldwide gross not quite as much did not come close to breaking even 4.5 million this seems like a movie that would do well overseas that's what i kind of thought i don't even think it had much of a release in asia i think it was uh like canada i i, I should have wrote this down it was like canada united states and like maybe like cons so like in spain or something like that so he's obviously a spanish director but i think it was more like a smaller independent film festival type movie uh, it did have a wide release here in the United States, but wasn't a huge worldwide phenomenon. Maybe we should pick more popular movies <laughs> between Super Bob and um, Colossal. The gross like profit of the movies is five million. Dude, there's, there's there's millions of podcasts out there of people talking about popular stuff. We're gonna we're gonna find this niche. Right in this little corner of the internet. All right, well, if you want to watch every <laughs> romantic comedy about someone manifesting Godzilla, I'm in. <laughs> I don't think I have any concept of... Well, I mean, the fact that this movie was like... I don't know that it hit my radar when it came out. I don't know anyone that's ever been like, Hey, man, have you ever seen Colossal? <laughs> that movie's great. So, I know you looked it up. I did not. I would have to say this is like it did poorly on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I can't imagine it was like a high scoring. You're talking about from audience or from critic? I'm, I would say both. Like, I just don't think this one had 
the legs of the kaiju to go the <laughs> distance. But you looked it up. I did it. What- yes. So the critic score, you'd be wrong. It's 81%. So it is a certified fresh film. Spit take. 81? <laughs> 81%, man. Pretty high up there. That is. Um, and then 59%, which is probably a little bit less surprising for the audience score. Um, so critics liked it, 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 you said 81. Yep. Do you think that's because critics always watch a movie like this and they're like, oh, it's so deep, we've got to really like it? I'm sure and there's like some of that. like us normal people are like, wait, the robot and the lizard are not going to fight? Uh, and there's no Captain America? Why am I here? There's... There's there's I was a lot of truth say to there's that. no nudity, but that would just get me in trouble. And there's so. plenty of like popcorn films that like I was gonna say like Fast and the Furious franchise, which like they're always getting ninety five percent because they're just fun blockbuster popcorn summer movies, whatever. But those still get relatively decent critic reviews because I know what they are. I know that Super Bob is going to be in the Marvel Universe because I've started a change.org petition to get it <laughs> okay. uh, put in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I think I might also put this one on the list as something in the Marvel Universe simply because there's large things invading Earth and if anyone's going to fight them, it's going to be the Revengers. <laughs> now, is this Marvel or DC? We've already established that Anne Hathaway is a Catwoman. Uh, I don't understand the question. And I won't <laughs> respond, respond to, to it. it. Um, so yeah, the the critics they kind of mentioned like the, their tag was Colossal's singular strangeness can be disorienting, but viewers who hang on may find out that the genre defying execution and Anne Hathaway's performance is well worth the ride. Which I think is that Peter Travers. Uh, I don't know who said that. Do you know Peter Travers? Is a critic? Peter Travers Peter Travers was like the Rolling Stones or like Maxim critic who just liked every movie. <laughs> so like he would have some sort of like complimentary thing in his reviews. So his name would get slapped on like uh, every movie. It'd be like Peter Travers says, <laughs> not that bad. Like Dolphin Tail 3. <laughs> like that's Peter Travers. I think that's his name. Travers or Travels who knows. <laughs> Um, and then I did uh, browse through some of the viewer res- reviews, which I thought were comical. Uh, one of the ones that I pulled out from uh, Jape P, he said, This movie is something for people who normally hate sci-fi and enjoy moronic, ham-fisted metaphors and unlikable characters. Thank you, J-A-P-P. <laughs> I think if you pronounced his username, you'd get in trouble. But um, yeah, I see where I see where he's going. The themes for this movie, if I could pull them out, I would say they're these, Tom. And you can tell me whether or not I'm on the right track. Alcoholism? (laughs) They're really down on alcoholism in this movie. Uh, They they have an agenda against it. I'll say that much. (laughs) Dependency? I guess maybe those things are the same, but whatever. No, no, no. I'll say dependency in, like... um, like needing people that that sort of dependency or who's getting who's, someone to de- like manipulating someone to be dependent on you okay and that leads me to my other theme which is manipulation <laughs> okay both like you can see it from her in the beginning like she's clearly lying she's trying to just keep like in the relationship with tim mm-hmm. i don't think out of a sense of like love or romance but out of a sense of uh, I need this person to like take care of me, mm-hmm. and then you see it with Jason Sudeikis, him like offering her a job, offering her furniture, like almost like trying to provide her some security so that she will be dependent upon him. Mm-hmm. And we'll dive into that a little bit more. Okay. But 
And then the big theme is Godzilla. <laughs> yes. The biggest theme of any movie has always been Godzilla. <laughs> when was that the largest theme? Let me ask you this. What's your relationship to Godzilla? Like, did you grow up on Godzilla as a kid? Or did you discover Godzilla when the movie came out with Matthew Broderick and Taco Bell did all of the <laughs> Godzilla merch and you collected all the cups? Oh, that's right, man. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Welcome Brings to our back. youth. Um, no, I mean, I obviously knew of its uh, Godzilla's existence and Mothra and Hydra and all the other kind of drugs that he attacked and had to fight Mecha Godzilla, all that jazz. Um, so you had those old movies, or you like you were? I never watched them. I was exposed to them, but I never watched them. Like I would just kind of see him, maybe watch the fights, but you know, it was just big dudes in rubber suits hitting each other over a plastic city. So um, I probably. Like the Matthew Broderick, that remake was, I enjoyed that as a kid. Looking back on it, it's a just trash movie. The newer Godzillas they made I thought were a lot more fun, um, at least like the first one. And then they kind of just went a little bit. Do you remember when, like, like how old you were? Like, how old were you, how old were you when you knew, like, deep down in your heart that you believed in Godzilla? <laughs> Godzilla? Um, when I and was... And that he existed. <laughs> uh maybe like five i'm pretty sure we had like a god godzilla toy sure yeah and every sunday <laughs> yeah you would i go took it visit. i took it yeah <laughs> i took it to uh godzilla shrine there you go mm-hmm. uh so there is a tie-in with godzilla because apparently he the director when he originally wanted to make this movie he wanted which like he wrote we should point that out he yeah. directed and wrote this yes so yes, this yes. is his godzilla baby this is his baby yeah um when he like pitched it, he pitched it as like the cheapest Godzilla movie ever made. And I think when they were trying to do it, they wanted to like film it in Tokyo and they wanted to do like a kaiju monster that was very similar and like size, well, obviously not size, but or in size, but in shape of Godzilla. But the Toho, the production company that uh, made all the Godzilla franchise, they sued him and they, and they sued it before the movie got released. So they had to actually change like the kaiju uh, design and everything for this film and like change it from Tokyo to Seoul, South Korea. Do you think he was like, "Oh, this is going to be the cheapest Godzilla movie because we're going to have to take out the amount of money I'm getting sued for this <laughs> statement Possibly. by the Godzilla people"? That could be part of that fifty million dollar budget. I don't know how the budgets work, but I thought that was kind of interesting. But I agree with you in terms of your your themes. I think some others are like clearly like to- toxic masculinity is very big in this with like the way Sudeikis not only treats like her but like his friends and and all that kind of stuff uh as well as like kind of the guilt responsibility and just general like martyrdom um with his characters hmm yeah i didn't see the masculinity part <laughs> i saw like the toxic friendship part but, but you don't you don't think he was uh treating her poorly because she was a woman and because of like the relationship that he had with her uh... i mean he treats the other bar guys you know like like trash because he is clearly a monster of a character but he goes above and beyond with with Anne Hathaway. Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair, and he is a man, so that would be something that's masculine. But you don't believe in toxic masculinity, from what I remember. Uh, I believe in toxic max- masculinity in the <laughs> same way that I believe in Godzilla. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble for that one. <laughs> <laughs> 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's talk scenes, Tom. Five mm. best scenes. And I don't know that we need to put a number on it. I just said five, but <laughs> that's probably not what we're going to do. As I rewatched this, I was like, what are the best scenes out of this? And since we're typically talking about things that are funny, this was a little bit difficult because there's not a lot of funny in this movie. No. Not a lot of laugh out loud. Even though you want Jason Sudeikis to be like super charming, which he is at a couple of points, no funny stuff. But I think like before you even get into it, I think that's why so much of this movie works for me is because of like that, the story of the genre. Like when you have Sudeikis in it, and like I think a lot of the stuff that he did before, especially SNL as an SNL alum, like you assume he's going to be like a fun loving kind of character. So when he kind of comes in and she comes back to the small town and you know, they kind of have this little budding relationship. You just immediately assume he's a nice guy and you know, it's just going to be a love story. And that's why I think this worked well because he was the lead. Yeah. And forgive me, not a, not like a complaint against the movie or him. Like there's what I wanted this movie to be and what I wanted his character to be. Yeah. And then there's what it was. And on the second watch, like, there's some times where they, like, close up on his face. And he's being, like, threatening and, mm-hmm. like, over-the-top, like, menacing. Mm-hmm. And he does it so well. <laughs> and you're like, okay, SNL guy, typically funny and charming. Mm-hmm. But he he does this character, like, scary well. Yeah, so, agreed. Um, yeah, it wasn't... I, I'm pointing out the fact that what I wanted was not what I got, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not upset with what I got. Yeah. It was just different. Yeah, yeah. Um, the scenes I really liked. First night uh, where they're back in the back part of the bar, mm-hmm. uh, we like established. Like she hits on Joel or she's got that comment about why do they never introduce you to like the handsome fellas, Yeah, which I get introduced to everyone. So <laughs> I felt that line and it hurt a little bit (laughs) we see like the dark side of oscar like that's where you get the first glimpse Mm -hmm. like because all we've seen of him at this point is he picks her up in the truck he's like super nice whatever in this scene like they go to a corner booth and he goes and sits down with like his back to him Mm -hmm. and he's like he's like the what he's like talking to them across the bar about is you can see like He's not all that friendly, and maybe it's because he's been drinking. Yeah. Um, it's not like around cards. Drugs. It's like doing yeah. magic tricks by himself or whatever, yeah. Right. And we see, like, the beginnings of some cracks of jealousy mm-hmm. when they bring up her being the writer, him wanting to be the writer, um, and him, like, blowing up Joel in that. So I thought that was interesting because it took it from oh, this is not Jason Sudeikis, like, being the nice guy, mm-hmm. romantic comedy, too. There's some layers here. Well, and it, it takes you out of it, too, because I think why when he does that, like, my mind first went to, like, oh, he's just doing a bit. Like, he's going to say, oh, I'm just messing with you, right. kind of a thing. But he doesn't, and that's kind of that first, first kind of domino of what we'll kind of see later. From, like, this sequence, did you, did you get the sense that Oscar was, like, into Gloria and was, like, upset that Joel was hitting on her? 
or was it like just like the possessiveness of of Oscar and, and Jason Sudeikis's character? I my impression was Oscar is into Gloria, has been into Gloria since elementary school, and is offended that Joel would. Because I think this is where he tries to kiss her, too, right? Yes, Joel goes in for the kiss, she goes back, and that's where, you know, Oscar kind of jumps in. But So there's two points to the jealousy thing. The jealousy thing is like, oh, um, Oscar, I didn't know you wanted to be a writer. And he's like, oh, no, I never wanted to be a writer. She was the writer. And then Joel, like, makes a move on her, and then he comes back and he gets upset about that. So I did take it as... Oscar was into Gloria and that's why he was upset. Can I ask though, when you say he's into her, like what do you what do you mean? Do you do you think he's like romantically into her? Yes. Do you think he's just obsessed yes. with her? I thought it was in a romantic way. Okay. I thought they were gonna get married, <laughs> have two children, and live happily ever after. Two little kaiju babies. And I'm not counting out that that can't still happen. Okay. Obviously, there's got to be some counseling. <laughs> They've got to establish some boundaries. But I'm rooting for the kids. Okay. Because I, I, I never got the sense in this movie that there was any sort of like, they wanted it to show us that there's like romantic chemistry, but like there's never any romantic chemistry. Like he doesn't any show like any affection for her romantically and nor he gave he... her a futon, Tom. <laughs> That's in some cultures giving someone a futon. I mean, you're as good as married at that point. Okay, fair. But I just thought that was an interesting kind of dynamic because again, like the movie wants you to think that they're going to kind of fall in love or that is the obsession, but I don't think it has anything to do with romance. I think it's a hundred percent just Oscar's obsession for glory. And he's been obsessed with her since since he's been a kid, and it's just when she came back, it just bubbled back up. Okay. Well, once again, I will point to the futon. <laughs> uh, the evidence I have about futons is my wife and I purchased a futon together. The rest is history. And the rest is history. Me and my wife are going through a divorce right now because we both eat Lunchables. <laughs> So oh, it's, been, it's been pretty messy. That's She's had good. the pizza Lunchables. I've had the, the ham and turkey ones. It's getting it's getting aggressive. As long as neither of you are the pizza Lunchable people, I think I can be friends with we, both of you. Me and my wife had like a 10-minute conversation about Lunchables, and we started talking about how the pizza ones were like, oh, we got a pizza one. That was awesome. So gross. No good. It was so gross. Like tomato, cold, cold tomato, tomato sauce. sauce and unmelted <sighs> cheese. What were we thinking? Come at us, pizza Lunchables. You were a <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> Speaking of terrible ideas, the other scene I wanted to point out was Garth is he's Garth, uh, Oscar's friend, is having this moment which I thought was really clever and like smart of him, where he's like, "Have you ever noticed the monster is like walking amongst buildings but never looks down, yeah, never looks to where he's going." He's like, "I feel like it's almost controlled by something, but mm-hmm. it can't see its surrounding." And he goes through all this, and this is where we're starting to see her. Like realizing she's connecting the, the dots. connection mm-hmm. and, and it's flashing to her making maps off of the screen, <laughs> which I do appreciate the maps, a little red like yarn. that goes from soul yes. to wherever they are. Yes. She's solving the mystery <laughs> with yarn and a tack board. Um, and we see her going to the playground, the music. I will say the music in this really good. Like yeah. I don't, I didn't look up who scored it or anything, but the music cues are fun. And, this is the moment where we find out who the murderer is and who the killer is. 
and then it ends with her doing the arm movements. She does her like arm movements, mm-hmm. and then she sees the uh, the monster do the arm movements, and she knows that whole sequence of Garth kind of like like I guess he adds because she's already suspicious. He adds to her mm-hmm. um, suspicion and leads to that. I really like that whole sequence. Yeah, no, I completely agree. The other scene I liked is her taking them to the park and showing them that she's the monster and she's <laughs> doing the dancing and it's like playful. Like yeah. that's how this movie is. Like it goes from like kind of comedic and playful to like super dark mm-hmm. and then the helicopters are shooting at her <laughs> and then she knocks the helicopter out of the sky <laughs> and she's like, Oh, that's too bad. I probably just killed that helicopter crew and she starts feeling bad. And I think that's the same moment where he steps in. And we find out that the robot is also around. Yeah. So there's a couple things I want to dissect there. So what's, what's your overall take on like the way they treat like death in this movie? Like in terms of like, I I don't know. Like I'm I'm not a big fan of the way they treat it. Like she's like kind of sad, but she's not sad. Like she goes and, and steps on all these people and murders like what potentially thousands of, of South Koreans and then gets upset because she like she fell and then maybe like killed a couple hundred more but like i feel like the remorse and like there's just so little done with that like sadekis obviously pushes it very hard kind of toward the end but i just feel like they kind of gloss over like the killing of so many people well <laughs> i think that there is a distance there where i see what you're getting at yeah. like if you were like hey, I killed a hundred people today and you weren't sad about it, you'd be a psychopath. But I think because of what we're seeing is because there's distance, mm-hmm. because it's like a, it's not her that's falling on the buildings. Like she didn't stab a hundred people. Yeah. There's distance where I do think it's acceptable that it's almost like beyond comprehension of yeah. like, hey, I just killed all those people. I see what you're saying. But it would be really tough to grasp, like, hey, I moved my arm today and I knocked over a building. <laughs> like, I didn't see the building. I didn't feel the building. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of why we as a civilization have moved from stabbing people to trying to kill them with <laughs> unarmed drones. <laughs> is because it's much easier to yeah. uh, take a life from a distance. So, I see what you're getting at, but I also think, like, if you give her the... Like, there's no precedence for this, like... No one in history is killing people by the hundreds through a kaiju. And so I understand her remorse, but I get, I I get where you're, what you're saying, but I also think there's enough distance there that it didn't bother me that she wasn't like weeping on the ground being like, Hey, I murdered all these. (laughs) For one, she doesn't know who she murdered. She doesn't like feel it or see it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, that's kind of what, but I I get what you're going for. Yeah. And I think, well, I lost a train of thought. Never mind. So we're a we're a um, our stance is uh, anti smashing uh, civilizations, correct? Yes, that should be bad. And I think maybe maybe it was <laughs> the director. <laughs> it should be bad. Maybe maybe it's part of the director's like a conscious decision to kind of like make it like nameless and faceless because at a certain point Gloria does like deal with that fact like oh my gosh I, I killed these people or how many people did I kill and blah 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 right. Um, but, like, they don't go to anything in South Korea. They don't, like, show all the people. But I would also argue 
maybe these people shouldn't be there around this exact same time of day around the exact same area of Seoul. Maybe they should like quarantine that place. I don't know. Dab, I think it's a reasonable explanation that if you're upset that you accidentally fell and destroyed a bunch of buildings, not to show up in the sandbox every school day morning. Yeah. Like, even if it is to keep Oscar, I don't know. I'm with you there. There, there were some stuff where you're like, wait, this problem might be solved by a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. Don't show up. Yeah. But that is part of the interesting thing is where, like, Oscar forces her to, like, be there mm-hmm. at a certain point. Well, and I think, so also on this scene, like you mentioned at the end here, uh, Jason Zaka's character walks in. And then we see that he's a robot. And I feel like this is like a, this is a changing uh, scene for him as a character in this, because like once he sees like, I've got power now, that's when it changes. And that's when he like really starts to seemingly try to own Gloria. Right. Right. And this leads to my other favorite scene. None of these are, I shouldn't say favorite, just like (laughs) interesting. Yeah. Good, Good scenes. But it's like the scene where Oscar's drunk I think they're there in the morning. They're taunting Soul. Oh, and this is after her and Joel have spent the night together. And mm-hmm. so this is where I would say, like, the romantic jealousy shows up. Because he sees... He clearly has a moment where he sees she has shown up from Joel, with Joel. And it's that early in the morning. So the most likely is that she spent the night with joel and i think that's fair but i think it's more of a possessive thing i don't don't i don't think oscar has any romantic feelings for her is that because he hasn't given her any roses if he gave her like some roses or maybe a box of chocolates would that have changed your opinion of their romance Uh, biscuits if he would have gave her biscuits then maybe self cooked and baked biscuits yep yep that would have changed in the british sense (laughs) if you guys are with us and have never watched lasso (laughs) i don't know why you're here (laughs) what a salad (laughs) you're welcome the um the yeah you're right this is also where oscar goes off the rail a bit and i think this is also the scene where you see or you hear for the first time that like people in the neighborhood are watching the kaiju Mm -hmm. and like they're cheering because Anne Hathaway steps in the playground and she gives him the, yeah. like, leave soul. Get out of here. And, like, everyone in the houses is like, yay! <laughs> I thought that was an interesting effect. And you see it, like, like Oscar realizes I'm the bad guy, even in this weird, like, fantasy yeah. that's happening across the world. Um, but he does do a cool thing. He's like, okay, I'll go. And, like, he, <laughs> not cool, but, like, it was just different. Like, you expect yeah. him to put up a fight. And he's just like, all right, I think that's after she slaps him. Yeah, and then that's where they do, like, the news coverage. Like, oh, the kaiju is a good guy. He saved us from the evil robot. The best. The <laughs> best. Those were my those were my favorite scenes. I would say the other thing that comes into play is just that final, um, not the final <laughs> fight where they're in opposite places, but the one where uh, she realizes she can't show up there every morning. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, those were my my favorite scenes. Did you have any other scenes that you thought were noteworthy enough? I feel like the other scene that really stands out to me, I don't know if I would say it's a great scene, but it was a very, I don't know, it was, just, it was an emotional scene, was the fireworks in the bar. Um, Sudeikis just, or, or I don't know, uh, Oscar, just the way that character played that sequence and like trying to prove that he owns gloria when he has like tim the other boy for the ex kind of come back and then he's in the bar and like he just goes full monster and full psychopath by letting out these fireworks 
Okay. On the second watch, I understood that scene. Yeah. On the first watch, I was like, what? Why? <laughs> yeah. Like, what are we doing here? I did not understand it at all. Yeah. So I was like, you own that bar. You got to put out all that fire and replace all that furniture. <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, I think I had to have my spouse explain, like, oh, he's doing it because he's showing Gloria like how drastic he will get if she leaves and like how like destructive he will be i guess is the so that's interesting take so i don't have that take i felt like it was more of like uh oscar keeps saying like what is the most irresponsible thing i can do in this bar right now right and it's letting off these fireworks and by doing this i'm telling you tim that she is not going to leave with you she's going to stay here with me that is him proving himself to Tim and to Gloria that regardless of what I do and how irresponsible, she's going to stay with me because she wants to be with me kind of a thing and not, is not going to leave with you. Yeah, but she doesn't want to be with him. Not even in that moment. Yeah. Like how it was explained to me was she's realizing if she does leave, he's going to not destroy Tokyo, but destroy Seoul. <laughs> Forgive us, Godzilla. Um, and so... That is his like oh like not not subtle not overt <laughs> whatever's in the middle of that of hey if you leave I will destroy my own bar I certainly will go to that playground and destroy Seoul mm-hmm. and I, once again I did not get that on the first watch but the second watch because part of me was like wait is Gloria now into Oscar because she loves fire and fireworks <laughs> in a bar like it didn't make sense to me yeah. Um, well, and I think so, that's like it maybe bleeds back into like conversation of like tox- toxic masculinity and like him going so far to a point to say it doesn't matter what I do or the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to own you and I'm going to victim shame you and it's going to be your fault that these people die. It's not going to be my fault, even though I'm the one that's doing it and I'm the one causing all this chaos. Hmm. OK, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how setting his own bar on fire falls in falls into that, but. <laughs> Um, that's why I watched it twice, and on the second time, I felt like I got, um, a little bit more. There is a theme of some cowardice that runs through, um, with our friend Joel, as well as our friend Tim. Whole lot of Um, like, both those guys, you know, maybe say something, you know, (laughs) maybe, like, intervene or do something. Joel was the one that really made me mad, because, like, they're, like, fighting on the playground, and he's, like... I don't know that does he punch her at one point he punches her he shoves her down and yeah. joel's just like on his ipad i yeah. don't know playing angry birds <laughs> watching jason sudeikis and angry birds i don't know what he was doing like the only logical I, hated joel. I thought actually joel was the one i hated the most in the movie but, yeah um... yeah that inaction is just so unspeakable like the only explanation could be he thought if he walked onto the playground he was going to turn into mothra or something like it's just, it made no sense. Like, he literally punches her, I think, in the stomach at a point, And he just, I think this was after, like, they had a relationship. And, you know, like, it, it was just, it was odd. And that that's where I go back to what I said in the beginning. Like, there's not really one redeemable or likable character in this. Which I think is fascinating to have all of your main characters be just absolute jerks. Yet, the movie somehow still works. Sure. I mean, you could argue that Gloria at the very end so has some um, redeemable char- or characteristic traits. I do want to say that you mentioned Joel being afraid of walking onto the playground and 
discovering that he's Mothra. <laughs> Wouldn't your first, like, if two people you knew were, like, on the playground and they turned into, like, giant kaiju, wouldn't your first be like, I don't know what kaiju I'd be? And you would hop in there, and then you'd be like, oh, I don't exist in this world? Like, I'd be like, well, I'm out. You guys have fun. Like, if I can't be Mothra, or if I can't be Robot Lizard, or whatever they are. What, uh, if you could be any kaiju from any kaiju-related film, what would you be? Listen, I'd be Godzilla. You would be? I'd be Godzilla. He Classic. breathes fire. He's got that tail. <laughs> He's not real mobile. Like, that's maybe... I'd probably, like... I'd probably, like, try and slim down and work on my flexibility. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I mean, I'd breathe fire. Yeah. Like, I win. That's fair. Although some of them shoot, like, lasers and fly, so... Yeah, I think I'd be Gypsy Danger from Pacific Rim. Uh, I've never seen Pacific Rim, so <laughs> it's not Pacific McRim. It's not sponsored oh, by McDonald's. The Pacific McRim they only release a couple of times a year. Correct. Yes. Okay. It's delicious. Yeah. Stuff I found <laughs> funny, Tom, and uh, I don't know that there was a lot that I found funny, but I tried. I tried to look at the gems. Listen, you always try to find the levity in life. That's what people say about you. That's what they say about me. Other than like, hey, man, that guy's really negative. Um... <laughs> And let's not be around him. Every time Anne Hathaway wakes up, she groans. <laughs> and uh, being at the age where if you sleep wrong, your neck hurts, your back hurts. Yeah. Every time this happened, like, at one point she's trying to fill up the mattress and she just ends up using it as a blanket. <laughs> uh, she, like, wakes up with her head against the wall. Like, every time she wakes up, she's like, ah! I was like, oh, I feel every moment of that. And I laughed because it was great. Now, the assumption is it's just because she's getting blackout drunk and falling asleep in awkward positions. So, like, it's just ergonomically she's just messed up when she wakes up? Yeah. She's... She's got a, a air mattress with a hole, which I would argue she probably just didn't screw in the thing. <laughs> I'm not going to, you know, anyways. but You're not going to mansplain air mattresses. <laughs> but I don't think she read the directions. I'll just say that. Well, it's toxic masculinity oh, in this room. Man. Oh, no. I can't. But I do think none of these people have great sleep schedules. They're drunk <laughs> on a kid's playground at... Where are the police in this in this neighborhood? That's what I want to know. But yeah, I, I think it's just because she is so intoxicated and um, does not have a futon. That I feel she like, up like that. we don't. They keep mentioning that she's like, "Oh, you're blackout drunk," and she never remembers any conversations she has from the previous day or night. Yeah, that's but a good she's point. never. We never see her drunk. Like we see her drinking. But you never see her, like, slur her words or get to a point where she's, like, making decisions that are outside of, like, what the movie is presenting to us. Right. That's fair. So I thought that was kind of weird. I almost, like, maybe think, like, is she narcoleptic? Maybe she just maybe she just falls asleep randomly. I think the rules of the movie and the assumption of the movie is that she is an alcoholic. Yeah. And we do see her, like, hungover, like, that sort of thing. Um, but it's is also Pabst Blue Ribbon, so I don't know if you can get drunk off Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah, that's understandable. There's this conversation they have in the truck when they after their meet cute, and he's like, "Oh, my dad died, and so I own the bar." And she's like, "Oh, I bet that was really hard for your mom." And he goes, "Well, she died well before my dad." She's like, uh, "She died long before that. You were still living here." Don't you remember you were at the, yeah, the funeral? funeral? Like that whole bit, I was like, all right, yeah, this is good. I, uh, <laughs> classic romantic comedy with Jason Sudeikis and Anne Hathaway, and then it all went bad from there. But that conversation I really laughed at. When she calls Tim 
to tell him about the news in Seoul. She's like, I'm just in shock. I just, and it's clearly like a, I need an excuse to call you. Yeah. And like for you to like comfort me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that happened like nine hours ago. What have you been doing since then? <laughs> yeah. And like puts her on the spot of, oh, you just woke up because you were up all night drinking. Yeah. Or have narcolepsy. We don't know yet. We don't know. That makes Sam a really bad person if she's not an alcoholic <laughs> and just narcoleptic. Um, I thought that bit was very funny. Mm-hmm. And her relationship with the deflated mattress I thought was great. Like at one point she just used it as the blanket. At one point she wakes up and it's deflated. At one point she rolls up in it. And that's where she has the realization if she goes to Seoul, her kaiju will be in. I'm going to say Youngstown, Pennsylvania. Okay. I don't know. Actually, no, he calls it Mainhead. Joel calls it Mainhead. Mainhead? I looked it up. I couldn't. It's. I don't think it's a real place. Okay. So just Mainhead, Central America. Mainhead, Pennsylvania Pens- Okay. There we go. Um, I feel like... Maybe I, it's upstate New York. That's the other thing I thought. Oh, there you go. Sure. So n- Northeast. Northeastern uh, United States. Um, I do... I did like the um, little bit they do about like... Uh, um, who's a Garth's character is like doing a little magic trick or whatever, where he kind of lights the tea bag on fire mm-hmm. and it kind of flies up into the sky. Right. And like, uh, Oscar keeps telling him like, like, just don't do the story, man. Just, just do just, the trick. Just do the trick. I just want to see the trick. And then he does the trick. Would have been better with the story. Yeah, yeah. That's great. That's a great. He's like, you guys aren't even listening. Well, the story's not really. Just do the trick. I thought like the story was, was going to be good. Like yeah, he's kind of talking about like, I don't know, rockets and space. And I don't know. It would have been pretty good. Right. I have uh, down here to talk about quotes, but I got to be honest, I don't know that there were a lot of quotable moments in this movie. Not so much. Um, But I did have some questions, Tom, so I'd like to run through some of my questions. I've got at least half the answers. If you had a playground that you could go to every morning at 8.05 and it would conjure kaiju Mm -hmm. in Seoul, Mm -hmm. what would you do with that power? What, like... What would you do? Did we ever establish in the movie what the distance of the kaiju like movement is? Like, is it the whole like the playground is all like kind of blocked off and it's got little wood chips and stuff in it? The so sand, it's the sand area of a playground. Okay, yes. So that if she is anywhere or or Oscar's anywhere on that kaiju's going to appear. That's what I understood. But what is that distance in kaiju feet? Like, is it, like, a big swath of Tom, soul? at no point during the movie did they give us a kaiju feet to real feet uh, ratio. ratio. Okay, so we're assuming it's a one-to-one, then. I guess I just wouldn't know, like, if I was a kaiju... No, 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 no not one-to-one, because she takes a step and she steps on a building. So but it's, like, as far one as she to steps, yards. But as far as she steps, the kaiju steps. Like, the kaiju is just a big version of her when she is there. No, because she steps, you know two feet the kaiju takes a step 200 feet 200 feet yeah so not the same distance one to one okay no wait i know okay all right agree to disagree um but i mean if i was only in seoul i mean i guess my options would be limited i think i would just fight really big crime you would fight really big crime i mean i can't fight small crime kaiju so you would logistically have to communicate with someone in in seoul you'd find like a grizzled detective We'll call him Gordon. Um, <laughs> Detective Gordon before okay. eventually he becomes commissioner okay. in Seoul. This is all just hypothetical. <laughs> and Gordon would like, I don't know. How do you get the attention of something that's very large? 
Maybe he shoots a light into the sky. It's a great idea. And as soon as you like see the light on your iPad, you appear and he points the light at the crime. Now, is he pointing the light in Mainstown? Well, here's what happens, tragically. Okay. <laughs> is he shoots the light into your eyes, you fall and destroy a bunch of people. Oh. And then big government comes in and cuts all your funding. <sighs> what funding? Was I getting funding? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't written the screenplay out yet. It's called Colossal 2. <laughs> Uh, Gordon and Tom fight crime. <laughs> if I was a kaiju and I had this kind of power, I would just sell advertising on my body, and I would, or I would write in the sand. I'd be like, watch my TikTok, whatever, and then I'd just make follow of money. Team Binge on yeah, Twitter. There you go, exactly. <laughs> or I'd send them to our website, Tom, which you did a beautiful job designing. Yes, we have a website, Tom. What is our website? It is teambinge.com. And what can you do at said website, Tom? Uh, you can find browse. You can browse. You could peruse. You can do all sorts of adjectives. Uh, we've got a link to all of our RS- RSS feeds, so you can get all of our episodes on there. Uh, we've got some merch that's live and available for you guys. It's just uh, it's got a Team Binge logo. It's a fun way to kind of support us um, if you're enjoying the show. Tom and I have no um, illusions about <laughs> becoming wealthy off of what we're doing here. Yes, But what we would be interested in is go look at the merchandise and... We'd like to know people's ideas of what we should put on said merchandise. Some things we've discussed is Team Michelle or Team Ted. Uh, for those of you, I know there's a lot of people that are really rooting for uh, Michelle Lasso out mm-hmm. there. Um, we are not one of them. You are um, not one of them. I am not one I'm of them. I'm still on the fence. Okay, and that's where that comes from. So Tom would buy a Team Michelle Lasso t-shirt. I will always buy Team Ted. But anyways... Let us know your thoughts. Um, and Tom did a great job. I just want to compliment Tom. Oh, on, why, thank you. On how he did. And then you can find us on all of our different social medias. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Tom spent tens and tens of minutes creating that website. Yeah. So the least you can do is spend tens and tens of dollars buying, <laughs> buying a stupid shirt you'll never wear. <laughs> They're great workout shirts. Or if you're ever going to paint a house, you wear it while you're painting. They're great painting shirts. <laughs> All right, back to questions I have, Tom. <laughs> if you were living in a house like a squatter, what three things would you want your friends to bring over that you could borrow? And this is where this question comes from. Okay. She apparently shows up at her family's like rental house. I feel like it had to have been their family's like house. Well, she says kid? no one's renting it right now. So, but it's not furnished. Anyways, we don't need to go in. We're not <laughs> sponsored by big VRBO or Airbnb. <laughs> Or Uber. I'm just naming <laughs> apps at this point. Um, but so you're stuck in a house, no furniture. You got to live there for, say, a month. You get to ask for three things to borrow from a friend. What would be your three things? I feel like, uh, as a recent COVID uh, victim who had to stay in isolation survivor for a while, <laughs> COVID survivor, survivor yes. Um, uh, a couch, an Xbox, and a TV. I feel like those are the things that I need. I guess I need an internet connection. Can I have four things? No. <laughs> Crap. You get three. That, them's the rules, but All right, no couch. Internet connection. Is the internet connection a thing? Or Ooh. is a router? Is that a package deal? We'll put that together. Okay. We'll put that together as one. Internet, TV. Oh, man. This is tough now. Yeah, I got I to gotta go on Xbox, man. Okay. So you're just leaving on the hardwood floor. Listen, I did a lot as a kid. It's good for your back. Okay. 
Oh, wow. Uh, you heard it here. Dr. Tom says, sleeping on the hardwood floor, good for your back. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you, have to, where you had to live, like, sparsely, like, I don't know, in college or as a young man, when your parents found that special vase under your bed and kicked you out for a couple of weeks? Uh, no, but I did choose, like, I had a nice little twin bed as a kid and chose to sleep on the floor for most of my uh, youth Okay, my three things, <laughs> thanks for asking, Tom, would be a futon. Okay, it's, 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 du- or it's a dual purpose. A futon, a TV, which has a built-in VHS <laughs> and DVD player. So like an old like tube? Yes, an old tube TV. That which has they had, built-in. they wheeled in that tube TV. That's true. Amazing. I was like, are you really grateful for that television? That seemed like one that the bar didn't need anymore. And 100%. Just like, let's wheel it over. Um <laughs> And then the complete uh, DVD season of... Buffy. uh, No, not (laughs) Buffy. I would go with The Office. I would go with the DVD set of The Office. I'm going to sit or sleep on my futon. (laughs) I'm going to watch The Office on my television. And I'm going to live life. And if I need internet, I'm going to move to that weird (laughs) corner where you can get it from the clubhouse. All right, fair enough. And to answer your question, yes, I did live like this for a number of months uh, when I moved out to the East Coast for a while, before my wife showed up with all the furniture. And The Office was your DVD of choice? I want to say it was either The Office or it might have been Arrested Development. Okay. Um, Both fantastic In hindsight, yeah, I'd take either, but I just thought in terms of number of episodes, because Arrested Mm -hmm. only has two and a half, none of those other seasons are recognized by us. Yep. The office has more seasons. Anyways. Okay. When he purposely goes to the playground, she goes she goes and and hits him like three times. This is like later in the in the movie. Okay. He grabs her hands and he says to her no punching. And he makes a like concerted effort not to move his feet. Like he's provoked her. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Hey, get out of the sandbox." He won't go out of the sandbox. She comes in. She hits him repeatedly. He, like, grabs her hands. And he's like, hey, no punching. Mm -hmm. And he won't, like, move his feet. Like, he's consciously not trying to destroy houses and soul. They fall over. She bites him. My question is, in this moment, who's the bad guy? He's not destroying anything. He's just in soul. He's like... I think he's taunting the was people's he, soul. This is when he was drunk and he was like... I think this is when she's coming in with Joel. And okay. he is there with Garth. Yes, okay. And he's not destroying anything. He's just there. She then rolls in, hits him several times. He's like, hey, no punching. But he, you can watch him. He's like he's like making a concerted effort yeah. not to like step everywhere. Mm-hmm. But she like ex- escalates it, and then I think she falls over. She falls over, and then while she's, she's on the ground, him. I th- it's, okay, I don't know if I remember that. But like that's when she's on the ground, and then he starts stomping, right? No, 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 no. This that's isn't... the neck. That's later. I'm sorry. This one, he's like purposely going out of his way to not destroy anything. But then she like goes in there and's like, get out. Mm-hmm. And my question to you is, who's the bad guy in that scene? Because I feel like he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just giving the people a robot show. I mean, and like, 
that's exactly what she was doing to them earlier when she was like proving that she was there. She was just dancing and then getting shot by helicopter rockets. So yeah, again, don't think any of these characters in this movie have a whole lot of redeeming qualities. And this is another reason why she's not the greatest either. Yes, but in this situation, we're pro-Sudeikis, anti-Hathaway. We'll go on record. All right, moving to the next scene. I did appreciate the quote of she knees him in the groin and he says, not a direct hit, but you got the majority of them down there. That was a good like throwaway line that you'd be kind of, it's an easy to miss one, but I chuckled. Yeah, that was great. Tom, <laughs> when she goes to Seoul mm-hmm. and her kaiju appears in... Mainstown. Mainstown, Mains Head. Mainsburg. Wouldn't she be destroying her whole town by walking around? Like, yes, you're 100% right. How does she know where the sandbox is in Seoul? It doesn't make any sense. Like, I, you, the only thing that we can say is she did, like, the quote-unquote math to then figure out, like, where it kind of started. But that's what, like, I didn't get. Like, she just kind of put her hand, like, on, I don't know, like, part of a park that was just kind of all stone concrete. And that's what I, that's where I struggle with like the whole aspect ratio of the kaiju appearing there and her appearing here. But she, hundred percent, when she did that, cool. It was a neat subversion to then take him and then, you know, I don't know, could have just probably called the cops in, you know, Mainsburg town and got him to stop. But it was, uh, it was a bold choice and she probably, it's bold the right word, Tom. <laughs> that's what I'm using. I could have used more cartography. Uh, this is my complaint about most movies. More cartography. <laughs> give me more maps. Give me more ratios. Tom, when they're kids, and this starts the whole thing, why does Oscar Crusher diorama? Rama? Rama? Rama-rama? <laughs> diorama-rama? Uh, my only take is if you look at his diorama when he was a kid, he has one of Madrid. So she does Seoul, and he does Madrid. His is dog crap. So he was probably upset about how awesome hers was. He's got, like, a little cow on it and some little, like, I don't know, cardboard houses and stuff. Terrible diorama. Okay, and there's also a mirroring here, and I want to make sure I'm just not projecting my own toxic masculinity. (laughs) Did I use the term right? You nailed it. Okay. Um, So, while I'm toxicing my masculinity, (laughs) the question I have for you is, she thinks he's going to save her diorama, right? Like, she's got this feeling of oh he's helping me out he climbed the fence mm-hmm. and he like finally gets it and you're like oh he's gonna help her out and then he crushes it mm-hmm. and it, this is a mirror of him as an adult right yes and Kinda this like... is proving the fact that we cannot change who we are as terrible children <laughs> is who we will be as adults right terrible kid terrible adult we can't change we can't grow Tom, I give you the please answer. <laughs> I'd hope that's not the case, but All maybe. Right. It is the case. You can't change if you're a terrible child, you're a terrible adult. You heard it here first on the Julian and Tom show. Now to traffic. <sighs> the cow is rubbish. I know. I mean, <laughs> I appreciate you reading that from the outline. It's got like a little cow on it. Who does? On, on uh, Oscar's diorama. It's got like a little cow. It's just a rubbish diorama. We once, I remember doing a diorama when we were doing like Roman or Greek, um, like history, that, that, that time period. And this kid, uh, we both know him. I won't use his name. Clearly had done no research, done nothing. <laughs> he did the Colosseum 
but he filled the Coliseum with like a cornfield and there were like Conestoga wagons and like other things. And the teacher was like, what is all this? And he's like, oh, it's a field of corn, you know, they were doing. And it was like, and everyone in the class was just like, oh man, like I'm, I'm 12 years old and I know he really did not do this assignment. Anyways, that's great. That's what I thought about. Dioramas are great. I wish most of my life. I should have been an architect because <laughs> all they do for a living is make dioramas. So you asked the question, why did uh, Oscar crush the diorama? But yeah. I would ask the question, why did the lightning crush Gloria's head? You mean, why did the lightning just touch her head and cause it to bleed a little bit and then give her a weird itch for the rest of her life? Yeah. I don't know, Tom. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I don't know that I realized like that's where the head scratch came from and all yeah. that until the second watch. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, she said it was like a nervous tick, but that's where she got it. So it's like when she's feeling nervous or whatever, she's touching her. Again, I don't know what that is to her outside of this very emotional moment. And like throughout the whole movie, she's like recalling this incident. So are we to understand that she doesn't remember it all until like the certain dream or whatever she has where like this all comes back to her i don't know once again in most movies and shows it's like hey why don't you guys talk and you'd be like hey remember the time we were kids and the lightning struck me in the head and you destroyed my diorama yeah i think that's where this all stems from can you not be an ass like boom we solved it i don't know if that would fix oscar but i just want more communication i do feel like um he's like hey i'm gonna be here if you don't show up i'm gonna be here every morning doing this and he's like destroying buildings i'd be like okay well the sandbox is a pretty limited size so i'm just gonna communicate to soul like hey clear out this area <laughs> yeah. after like four mornings oscar's destroyed everything no one lives there i'm gonna go live with tim and continue to be a drunk that's how i saw this movie <laughs> I don't know if that's the right answer, but that's I feel the answer like, I came up does, with. Does she want to go back to Tim? I feel like Tim's kind of a jerk, too. When Tim comes back to, like, confront her and clearly does is, you know, he's trying to lie and say, oh, I'm coming back for a meeting, when he's clearly trying to check up on her and then, like, throws all of her baggage back onto her. Like, he's not a good guy. Tom, I'm going to quote one of my good friends by saying, I don't think there's a redeemable character in this. <laughs> okay. So you're right. She's probably not trying to go okay. back to Tim. Everyone's awful. <laughs> except for joe joe just wanted his coffee man he just wanted his coffee but he had to light fireworks in that bar that's fair <laughs> i actually don't think is garth a bad guy other than having a little bit of cocaine uh, needs <laughs> i don't think that garth's all that bad he was still there he was still complicit in all of these murders in seoul like okay. he knew like everybody knew what was going on so there's been a murder good. what's this movie trying to tell us tom I'm going to give you the top thing this movie's trying to tell me. <laughs> tell you. Other than uh, the whole toxic masculinity thing, which I clearly understand and don't have any weird doubts about or, or confused by. This movie's telling us, beware of nice guys. They're probably just trying to manipulate you and destroy the South Korean capital. <laughs> That's what I got from this. It's like, I don't know. I sometimes think movies like this can make you so cynical to someone like just trying to be nice or do you a favor mm -hmm. where you're like, what's this, what's this person trying what's to do? What's their angle? Like, what are they trying to control? <laughs> so, uh, at face value, I'm going to go on the, you know, life advice. I'm going to take Ted Lasso's. 
I'm just going to assume most people are like trying to do the right thing and trying to be kind, not trying to make you dependent on them and being manipulative. But Ted Lasso in this movie teaches us that he's just trying to kill all those people in South Korea. <laughs> See, now, I, I, you're, I, I would say you're generally a, a kind-hearted person. You do things nope. for others. That's, that's a nice thing. Um, but I never pictured you as a guy that wanted to destroy Seoul. I assumed you wanted to destroy like Sydney or I don't know, you know, somewhere like Lisbon, Portugal. I don't know. That's, no, those seem like more of the places you'd like to destroy. Those all seem like lovely countries. The places I want to destroy are like Atlantis. <laughs> and where's Thanos from? Oh, I don't know. Than- Thanos. Thanosville. <laughs> those are the places I want to destroy. <laughs> um. The other thing I learned from this movie, cardio is important because she runs all the way to the park and because she's got bad cardio, she gets beat up. Mm. If she would have been running, working out, she probably would have won that fight. It's a good call. Turning a map upside down solves most problems. What did she do? Dude? What? It just slips on like the tack. It like swing, sling, swings upside down. Like, oh, and it's that's her. On, okay. And that's where then she like rolls in the inflated or deflated mattress inflated would be interesting um and that's when she has the idea oh if i go to seoul like it's flipped upside down the opposite um you gotta be a real thinker to see those things in this type of movie it's a black hole scenario it's some kind of something tom is the bad guy in this really in this movie really a bad guy the answer to that is yes (laughs) most definitely in some movies you can make an argument for the bad guy and their motivations this one not so much he did it really well, though. He's charming, and he went dark well. I don't know. I, I thought... The only... The only time I had a problem with his acting, and I don't know if you're gonna... We'll both say when Jason Sudeikis's, like moment was strange. I'm gonna count to three. We'll both say it at the same time. Because I think we're on the same page. One, two... Three, when she was, was holding him in his hand, and he was like, let me down, you be. I was like, it was almost like SNL comedic, like, anger, like, over the top. Did you get that at all? It was like the movie telling us that he's not going to change. He's still going to be a jerk. He's regardless. scared, but angry. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was a strange moment. He wasn't going to, like, beg for it or something like that. Like, he was going to be a jerk till the end. Right. Yeah, I didn't need that moment. I wish she would have just crushed him, and I wish we would have seen his pulpy body fall to the ground. I said before, and I'll say it again, I think Joel's the worst. I think he might be worse than Jason Sudeikis' character. Yeah, the inaction with him, I, I agree. Like, even the very end, they do a little bit where he sees her like walking the streets of Seoul and then he kind of gives that coy little smile to cameras. He's like watching the news report like, oh, good for you. And it's like, like, no, man, like you're, you're a jerk. You're not a part of this. Yeah, exactly. Like there's so much stuff you could have done to. You're part of the the problem with your mat, your masculine toxicity. (laughs) That's exactly, you nailed it. Shy of. Tom, is there stuff that you would do with this movie to make it better? Uh, yeah. Okay, not gonna, Not going to tell right. you. Yeah, don't tell me. Let's go um, to the next section, which is <laughs> thank you for subtitles. There's a part where t- subtitles told me that the tense music is timed to eye movement. And I was like, oh, 
thanks. And it's when they're, it's like the the last scene before she starts beating him up with furniture where they're like looking at each other back and forth and they like blink and like the strings go as they blink. Subtitles literally says, tense music timed (laughs) with eye movement. I was like, all right, cool. Thanks. I do love a good subtitle that describes music or yeah, that kind of bit. Love subtitles. Tom, I'll make this movie better. We'll go back. Let's please. I, I have I have a comment, but I feel like I wanna I wanna know your your bits first. Mine is a simple changing of an actor or actress. Okay. Put Charlize Theron and Jason Sudeikis' character makes the movie better. She's menacing. She's awesome. <laughs> uh, she'd be a great kaiju robot. Charlize Theron. Uh, I think my theme is put Charlize Theron in any movie and makes it better. Mr. F. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, nice. Um, I know the budget wasn't there because this was supposed to be the cheapest Godzilla movie possible. Yeah. But give me a big scene with the robot and kaiju and Hathaway kaiju fighting. Like It would have been fun. It would have been fun. It was just kind of slapping. They didn't right. have the budget to like have them intertwine. Right. And then... That battle's interrupted by Matthew Broderick and Jean Reno showing up in a New York cab. That would have been better. I did not need the weird furniture battle scene that I mentioned before. There's the scene where their uh, eyes move with the music. Yeah. And then she hits him with a chair. He breaks the arm off the futon. She then puts the bookcase on him, and then she traps him in a corner with the giant television. It was, and it was one of those moments where you're like, "I don't <laughs> think that would work." Like, I don't. I don't know what the end game of that like fight sequence was. Like, I don't think uh, Gloria could have taken uh, him in that situation. Like, unless that TV maybe f- fell on him because that TV probably weighed like eight thousand pounds. Um, but, like, it seemed like she was just trying to stop him from going to the park, and he was always just going to go to the park to do his kaiju stuff. But it was a very kind of clumsy sequence. Yeah. I was like, I honestly thought they might kill him in the corner there where she slams <laughs> him with the big television. And I was like, oh, this is, like, a comically bad, like, I don't think I've watched him more than once, but there's the scene in... Um, What's the dumb British Michael Myers? Um, Austin Powers. Austin Powers, where he rolls over the guy with the steamroller, oh, yeah. and it's real slow. And the guy's like, ah, <laughs> like the way she moves the television, and he's in the corner. I think he even says, "Don't do it." Don't I was do like, that. I was like, just stop the TV. Like, stand up and put your arms up. That TV's like the momentum of a TV is not going to. It's on rollers. He just kind of pushes it away. Anyway, I hope that uh, MythBusters do a TV murdering <laughs> scene. We find out whether or not someone would die from that. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Anything you would do to make the, the uh, movie better. I, the perfect movie better. The perfect movie. Um, I wish I would have explored the idea of like her getting kind of hit by the missiles and her like being like, ow, like this kind of hurts. Yeah, she's like, I, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought that was kind of interesting because it kind of breaks, like you just assume she's like a like impenetrable super bob style hero that you know can't take any damage but she was clearly kind of feeling it um so her like stepping on buildings and all that stuff like exploring that a little bit more could have been interesting um but i do after watching this movie and seeing the ending i'm quite certain this is a prequel to ted lasso okay Okay. all right 
So, in the end... Feed it to me, Tom. In, I did not see this coming, so in, feed it to me. In the final sequence of the movie, what does Gloria's kaiju do? She takes she takes uh, Oscar, Jason Sudeikis' character. She throws him. She throws him. Throws him for who knows how long. It seems like the kaiju you know, flies in the sky for days. Who knows how far uh, uh, Jason Sudeikis' character gets And the him. assumption is she's throwing him west. Throwing him west, yes. Throwing him somewhere, maybe Midwest, maybe Kansas, okay. for example. Okay. He lands in a pool, perfectly fine, perfectly fine. Okay. Uh, he then uh, starts to uh, coach a youth football soccer t- or football team. Sure. We'll say football. Life he hasn't, changed. Hasn't gone to soccer. Changes. He meets this lovely lady, uh, Michelle, at a bar playing darts. It's an old Western bar sure. playing darts. It's gonna end tragically. And then uh, you know the rest. The rest ensues. So this is Ted creating a new persona after he realizes, man, first shot in uh, Mainsburg didn't work out well. I'm gonna do this in Kansas, Wichita. Then he's realizing Kansas thing's not going very good. I gotta go over the pond. Gotta go over to London Town and then do that. I mean, where do you think we got Lead Tasso, bro? No. This is Lead Tasso is coming out from his Oscarness. This is all good. No, I agree with you. I agree <laughs> with you. And if you change the letters of Oscar, it forms Ted Lasso. <laughs> it does. That's incredible. Good work, Tom. I tried. You did a great job. <laughs> Tom, would you recommend this movie to people? This is an interesting film. Like, uh, it's hard to say I'd recommend it because it is just so subversive. And I think if you, if you do recommend it, you got to tell somebody. Like, you can't give away like what's going right. on with it because if you do, then people are be like, no, I don't want to see that. Um, so, I don't know. I guess I would. I would say it's it's worth the watch. We're obviously recording a long podcast on it, and we. Uh, didn't necessarily know what we were getting into while watching it. We just had Jason Sudeikis, but I thought it had enough cool beats, and it's fun to watch a movie that isn't the same as every other movie you've right. seen. I would say yes, because it's well acted. At no point while watching the movie was I like, how much longer is this movie? Like, checking my phone. Like, I was engaged. Mm-hmm. And part of that was because I was like, what is happening in this movie? Where are they going? What are they trying to do? Once again, everyone acts really well. It's well done in terms of shot and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's done, it's not like, oh, I want to watch that again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not, like, thrilled with it. It doesn't mm-hmm. make you feel good. But it's kind of like, all right. And since I've watched it, I've given it some thought as to, like, okay, so there's some, like, deeper meaning in here. It's mm-hmm. who are we in terms of how do we, like, subtly manipulate the people we're around? Mm-hmm. Like... What are our intentions? Uh, what's our toxic masculine? I don't know. Tendencies. Tendencies. I don't know. So I would recommend it, but with the caveat of like, hey, do you want to watch a weird movie? <laughs> like, it'll be interesting to talk about it afterwards. Go watch What's It Called? Or have you seen What's It? Or have you seen Colossal? I don't know why I said what's called. I know what it's called. Um, like, have you seen Colossal? Like, that movie's, like, trippy. But it's, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's not one that, once again, I'm not going to go to the Walmart bin and buy the DVD for $5. But yeah. I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. And I've thought about it more than I thought I would. And I don't think we said this at the top. Maybe we did. But you, we watched this on Hulu. I'm sure you can watch it on some other streaming services and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. Currently free on Hulu. Uh, if you love Anne Hathaway, if you love Jason Sudeikis, if you love A Dolphin's Tale 2, 
uh, give it a go. But it is it is a fun like again just like we did Super Bob and seeing uh, Brett Goldstein be a completely different character. I mean, you're gonna get that with this movie and and Jason Sudeikis. He plays a completely oh, yeah. different character. He still has some of the edges of kind of like you know the little quips and just kind of his general kind of demeanor, but yeah, it's just a it flips that Ted Lasso role upside down, and it's right. it's an interesting. It was of- fun to. I don't know if fun's the right word. <laughs> it was like interesting to see him do something, and he does a great job. And then I would argue that very few actresses do like. I'm at a place where I'm a mess better than Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Like, I think there's a movie called Rachel Getting Married where she's like the sister of the bride and she's clearly like the black sheep of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does that role like really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and as we've stated before, we both like Anne Hathaway. Yeah. So. We appreciate you going on this journey with us. Um, this movie relates to Lasso because of Sudeikis. And we're not going to apologize for watching it or talking about it because I actually had a good time well, with the movie. Well, we did get the inside scoop about Ted Lasso Season 3. And, spoiler, there's going to be kaijus. <laughs> Every player gets a kaiju. Anyways, uh, look us up at the things that Tom mentioned earlier in terms of social media. Check out the website. Once again, Tom did a great job. And if you have questions or comments, email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us on your preferred social media at Team Binge. I have been Julian. And I will always be Tom. Bye, everybody.